Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here. And Oscar Race Checkpoint is here as well. We have all sorts of film festival news, all sorts of reviews, all sorts of prop bets, Michael. A loaded show, as always. Yeah, loaded. Uh, smorgasbord, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, one and of those. I will. Yeah, I, I, I need a good smorgasbord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't had one in a while. I want like I want the full charcuterie experience. Well, I, oh God! So we are on mm. the same wavelength. I was gonna say when you when you like what's a smorgasbord in your mind? What's the visual? Meats and cheeses. But like so like the first thing I thought it was like a charcuterie board, and I was gonna be I was mm-hmm. gonna say well I bet that was the original name, <laughs> and then they're they, we can't have smorgasbord. That's a ridiculous word. Let's class it up and call it charcuterie. My aunt. Several times a year, my aunt Kathy does like it's like a charcuterie wing of her house. It's the greatest thing ever. I said, haven't I sent you pictures? She does it for like Thanksgiving and Easter, and oh my god, it's my favorite thing. Like I don't even want her to make dinner. I just want to just hang out. I just want to pick. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you got mozzarella. You got the oh my god, it's fantastic. Charcuterie wing. Yeah, that's how you know you've made it in life. Nuts. She does candied bacon. Michael, mm-hmm. it's the best mm-hmm. thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to just make this whole episode about food instead? And <laughs> screw this up. <laughs> we are recording at lunchtime. I have not eaten lunch yet. <laughs> so this is, this is yeah, that we should have known this was going to happen. <laughs> anyway, we got the New York Film Festival announcing their spotlight section, Michael. The uh, gala spot of this section is to Bradley Cooper's Maestro from Netflix, like we Shocking. covered. And we kind of already reviewed the trailer in, in our last uh, Summer Oscars, uh, you know, series special there for Maestro. I did want to say one more thing I, to reveal something else about my family, by the way. But I did want to say one more thing about how much I love this Maestro teaser. Like, this is an adorable game. I love when movies incorporate a game at multiple times during the uh, during the, the the story. We we had uh, the the orphanage have have a game in it. When I saw one of my first New York film festivals, mm-hmm. El Orfanato from J.A. Bayona, and it's like this kid's game, and it turns out to be terrifying by the end of the movie, you know, playing the game for a second time. And this is, is so adorable, this guess what number I'm thinking of game. Yeah. And I have to, I have a revelation for you. My grandparents are, are revealed to you in the sense that my grandparents used to play this game with me as a kid. And for like a year or two, I thought they were telepaths because they had convinced my brothers and I, like we, we would go to the parlor there at their house, or, you know, their, their side room at their house. And mm-hmm. they would somehow, they must've signaled one another what numbers they were thinking of. But my, I forced my grandmother to tell me what numbers she was thinking of. And yet my grandfather would always guess it. <laughs> they must have had a signal like at the because they would always go to the casino so i have to ask you is are there <laughs> casino signals 
that grandparents can learn over a short period of time. I'm going to say yes because I have no idea. I mean, yeah, there's there's all sorts of answers. <laughs> could could grandparents have worked out a system to fool young grandchildren? Is what you're asking me? Were yes. my my nana and papa <laughs> carnies? Like were those... your grandparents actually telepathic? Maybe, but Maybe. probably not. <laughs> but but what I'm thinking is like Nightmare Alley. Remember Nightmare Alley? Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett, or not Kate Blanchett, but he had signals with. Uh, yeah. Oh my so god. Did the, so did some of the uh, card players in Casino that I just watched that should have been nominated for far yes. more than one Academy Award. Yes. What yeah. lives did my grandparents live? <laughs> I don't even know my nana and papa. Anyway, but the Maestro teaser. I just I, rewatching that this morning. I it gave me such a, another layer of uh, enjoyment. I must say. Did you notice how little Bradley Cooper was in the trailer? Yeah, and I'm okay with it. I mean, the cutaways to all of the uh, the dramatic stuff, you know, with the framework of the you know the guess my number games, was it was adorable and heartbreaking in equal measure. So this like, in terms of teasers, this is one of the better cut teasers in a long while. It really got to me. Maybe it's the you know the personal connection I had to it with my yeah. grandparents there, but. I don't know, man. I'm excited for it at the New York Film Festival. I'm glad you had that emotional connection to it. I'm glad you're going to see it in New York. I am far too convinced. I'm, I'm way too far down my own conspiratorial rabbit hole with uh, what Bradley Cooper is going to be in this movie. I, I am now wholly convinced he's in this for a lot less amount of time than people are expecting. And I think the maestro is Carrie Mulligan. She's the maestro of the relationship. I think this is all going to be Carrie Mulligan's movie. I don't think Bradley Cooper is going to be in this much. I mean, if you look at that teaser... Other than the what number am I thinking of game, I think there's only three cuts in which Bradley Cooper makes an appearance. Yeah. I, I don't disagree that he'll be in it less than than like Tar, where she's in every scene in the movie. Or mm-hmm. uh, what was another movie that we debated about? Air, where Matt Damon mm-hmm. is every scene of the movie. No, uh, he's not. But go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 I would agree from that perspective. But uh, I still think he's going to be like the, at least the main antagonist, right? I mean, well... Mike, okay. let's have our first prop bet of the episode and talk about that. I've gone on record with my theory that he will be in less of Maestro than everyone thinks, and his flowers will come from his work as a director. Uh, the marketing suggests this. The poster suggests this. The teaser kind of suggests this. This is Carrie Mulligan's Oscar movie. Mm. To me, that would be my bet. So Maestro has a 129-minute runtime. Let's chop about 10 minutes off for uh, credits at the end there. Sure. Let's, th- let's say it's an even 120 minutes here. How much screen time would you bet that Bradley Cooper has in Maestro? I broke it down into five sections. Five sections? Yes. Zero oh. to 25 minutes. I'll give you plus 600. No. 2501 to 50 minutes. I'll give you plus 180. No. 50 minutes, one second to 75 minutes. I'll give you plus 250. Probably. 7501 to 100 minutes, I'll give you plus 444. That's a very British book number, but I went with it. Hi, David. I'm hammering the plus 250. 100, and one, 100 minutes, 1 seconds, and over, I'll give you plus 1,000, 10 to 1. Is the the plus 250 odds there yeah. for 50 yep. to 75? Yep. That's half the movie, yes. right? I mean, is it that and over? Or it's got to fall in that range. If it's over, I lose. It's got to be in that range. Oh, yeah. That's why the odds are there. So what? What's the other? The so plus zero to twenty-five is plus six hundred. Twenty-five oh one to fifty minutes is plus one eighty. Fifty oh one to seventy-five is plus two fifty. Seventy-five oh one to a hundred minutes is plus four four four. And a hundred minutes and one seconds and above is plus one thousand. Hey, you know what? I would put a hundred dollars 
because of these odds, I would put a hundred dollars on fifty to seventy-five, and the next one plus forty-four, four, four, four. Okay. I would put so that's two hundred dollars split, and I don't think you you did the math properly here. I'm uh, you you disagree win, with the odds. If I win either one, I I win more than I win at least two hundred and fifty dollars. So I I get so my money I back put, plus fifty. I'm I'm I'm. You're you're probably right in that I did the odds wrong, but I did the odds to reflect my bias. <laughs> so that's why I put twenty five oh one to fifty at plus, as the lowest odds because I think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna be in this for more than an hour. Hey, you will uh, you will certainly bring this one back because this is the first time you've gotten my goat. Like my mm. goat has been buying off in the distance. Nobody hears it. But this time, you you actually you had you actually stirred stirred it up today to where I like I my feathers are ruffled. Okay, I'm pruning. So you're covering fifty to fifty minutes to a hundred minutes. No, the egos are involved now. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. I, that's the whole purpose. I introduced these prophets. I want to end this podcast. So this I'm glad. Can't go well with uh, gambling. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're supposed to be logical, mathematical, but egos are very certainly involved now. Right. This is I'm feeling this for the first time. So you think like I need Cooper's to win? Going to be going to be in. More he's going to be have a starring role. Is, do you think he's going to be pushed as a lead? Yes. Okay. I think he's going to have a leading role, and that typically is greater than 50%. Okay. Even for some supporting winners that we've seen. You know? It's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I mean, I, that is definitely the conventional wisdom. That's the conventional thought. I, I would agree that I'm out on a limb here. Wow. All right. Well, let's get into the rest of this spotlight slate at the New York Film Festival. Hitman from Richard Linklater starring Glenn Powell. We have previewed most of these movies already, Michael, so I'm not going to get into the uh, snapshots of them. But I'm very excited that this is coming to the New York Film Festival. It's actually going to be one of my main targets with my brother Daniel when we when we try and, you know, get out there. Mm, two separate words. Hitman. Yeah, we've previewed this. Set to premiere at Venice. It's going to play TIFF as well. The Boy and the Heron uh, from Miyazaki. It's exciting that this is part of the the section there. I've been watching these Studio Ghibli films for a while now, uh, getting caught up. And yeah, my bro- again, this is like structured around me and my brother Daniel trying to figure out what movies we're going to go see for a couple of weekends there. <laughs> and he's agreed to this one, The Boy in the Hand. Good. Okay. All right. So that's two that, that brother Daniel is in for. The Sweet East. I might get him to go. He's in his early 20s because of Talia Ryder for, okay. for, for reasons. No. Now, The Sweet East <laughs> is uh, also by the cinematographer of Good Time. Yes. Which is uh, a really well shot movie, we thought. Yeah, directed by Sean Price Williams. He's done Good Times as the cinematographer. He also did Marjorie Prime, which I was a bigger fan of than you. And Ayo Itabiri is in this, and she's in everything. And Jacob Alordi is also in this, and he's in everything. <laughs> he, he's literally in like eight <laughs> things this year, which is incredible. Too much. It's too much. But the Sweet East got great rave reviews for Talia Ryder's performance. So I think it's I'm, also like I'm a slice it. of slice of life type movie. I'm targeting. I'm targeting yeah. the Sweet East. I also may not be able to resist the taste of things, which is formally known as the pot a fou or the pot yeah. on fire, starring Juliette Binoche. Because, Michael, this is actually a period piece as well. I, they shouldn't have changed the name. 
the taste of things. You you like the, the pot on fire? Pot of foo. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Now, Foe is a big movie. Sir Sharon and Paul Mescal going to Amazon, but it's going to Amazon soon after this world premiere. Foe. Mm. It's the world premiere that will be playing at New York that you'll see if you're there. Vanity Fair calls it a twisty, apocalyptic marital thriller, which will have you guessing until the film's final seconds. It involves a decaying Earth, perish the thought, and a program to see if life can be sustained on nearby planets. So apparently Saoirse Roman is stuck at home with an AI version of her husband, Paul Mescal. Hmm. Plays from there. Okay. So doesn't get, doesn't inspire a lot of hope that's going to streaming so soon after though, right? Yeah, I'm not thrilled by that, so I'm actually going to avoid it. So I'm guessing it's actually playing that opening weekend, September 30th, and then it'll it'll hit Amazon Prime a week later. Like right. the the Pigeon Tunnel, the next Errol Morris documentary about uh, John Le Carre, the uh, author of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the spy who yep. came in from the cold, etc. All those great novels. This documentary is actually going to apple tv plus on the 20th of october so it's a kind of a bummer like i i want to see these movies but i'm probably going to avoid them at the film festival because they're going to be able to get them so soon after literally on my tv so agro drift i'm not going to do it i'm sorry fool me lsd and go see it have yourself a day (laughs) that would be something (laughs) of a change for me uh harmony (laughs) kareen travis scott a24 it's just the harmony kareen factor here i haven't seen the circus berserk what what was the travis scott movie that just came out anyway i haven't seen it a24 they're doing a bunch of travis scott things but uh, agro drift is going to the spotlight section as is occupied city from steve mcqueen world war ii documentary that is apparently like four hours michael have you read Owen Gleiberman's review of this? <laughs> I, I know Owen Gleiberman is is uh, temperamental, let's say, and Choking he's somebody I would I would love to talk to because him and I seem to be cut from similar cloth in terms of how we look at the world. But he spent a whole a whole opening paragraph lavishing praise on Steve McQueen and and just talking about how he is one of his favorite directors and how he takes nuance and how excited he was for this movie and then. He just kills Occupied City for the rest of the article. <laughs> Occupied City, it is my sad duty to report, is a good deal less than fascinating. I'll be blunt. The film is a trial to sit through, and you feel that from almost the opening moments. Oh. And that's just that's him being nice about it. That's talking about one of his favorite directors, and it goes on for another ten paragraphs or so. Mm. I oh Jesus no 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 thank you so no I'm gonna avoid Occupied City I did see Going to Mars the Nikki Giovanni project I reviewed it in our Sundance episode great film editing in that movie to the point where I would even and I mentioned it in our Sundance episode that I was I was in but that's uh, interspersed with with animation and stuff right or, yeah or not animation lot, but like galactical galaxy looks and stuff I loved it I loved the. Uh, the story there about the poet Nikki Giovanni. Mm. So that's going to Mars. So I can recommend that one for folks. Look at, I think I have a couple of tiers in terms of my targets here, Michael. I, I'm just wondering what you would agree or disagree with. My, my tier one, if I can see Priscilla, May, December, Ferrari, Maestro, Poor Things, The Boy in the Heron, Hitman, The Zone of Interest, Anatomy of a Fall in the Sweet East. Why is Hitman that high up for you? Because it's Richard Linklater. Everybody wants some. He's reteaming with Glenn Powell. I think it's a good brother brother movie. It's like this it's got this heist factor, this undercover story. Like he's really not a hitman, but he's trying to entrap these hitmen. I don't know. It could could work. Right. I, that's fine. I mean, the the hitman and the sweet east are the two that I would say 
you know, one of these things is not like the other when it comes to Oscars potential and stuff like that. But yeah, I, as long as you're excited for it, sure. I want to have more it. to say about Anatomy of a Fall later. But Tier Two, All Dirt Roads, Taste of Saw. I missed it at Sundance. The Taste of Things, The Delinquents, uh, both did well at Cannes. All of Us Strangers, great cast, great director. Might be a sneaky Oscar contender there with a weird sci-fi premise about the the parents not aging, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. That was that was a cool. Could have been a horror premise too. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect days. Should I see Perfect Days with uh, from Vin Benders there? <laughs> Should I see it, or is it too boring of a premise? Well, how many, how many movies are you trying to get into? Well, I'm going to see 12 movies, I, I believe, over three But you weekends. haven't bought specific tickets yet? Yeah, I bought tickets. I bought my tickets. Because so I you can't know do... which ones you're, you know which ones you're going to? No, I don't know. They haven't put out the schedule yet. I'm okay. guessing they're put out the schedule next week or the week after at, at, okay. at the latest. I have my pre-sale. Because I can't go to any of the press stuff. I can't do it. I, it's just my schedule does not allow. So I just, I'm stuck buying tickets. And also, tickets what, would, what, would, what would we do there? What's that? I, well, the, you got to go at like ten in the morning, from from what I recall. Maybe I should ask people. Maybe they have be surrounded by serious journalists, and we'd just ask questions about the standing ovation times. Yeah, exactly. But there's no standing <laughs> ovations at these. So yeah, exactly. What's my what's my purpose? Anyway, about dry grasses, I think is a movie. To answer of, your for your question before though, yes, you have to see Perfect Days. Oh my God! All right, it's the greatest, greatest <laughs> plot premise in the history. Of I'm cinema. in. A janitor just goes around listening to music. <laughs> Great performance. All right, Evil Does Not Exist from uh, Hamaguchi there, which Drive My Car, one of my favorite movies from two film festivals ago. So I'm yep. in for that. Tier three, La Camira, Fallen Leaves, Green Border. Love the filmmakers involved. Now the Beast, I'm kind of trolling with Leia Seydoux and. Uh, George McKay, because of the ridiculous cock of shit premise. We gave that one a tough time when we previewed. People have feelings. They try to... Sub- oh, whatever. It's this very French premise where it's like, feelings are the evil in the future, this dystopian future. Yes. But it's Leia Seydoux and George McKay. Like, what? I would watch them watch grass grow. I already Humans said this. don't have feelings, and then these two do have feelings. <laughs> that Romanian maniac has made another film. Do not expect too much from the end of the world. We've already previewed it. And then The Settlers is going to be a violent, like, c- colonial uh, Oregon Trail sort of thing. Well, not yeah. an Oregon Trail because it's in Spain. But anyway, so I'm going to avoid foe. But those are my three tiers. If I somehow it was a mishmash, do you agree or disagree with my tiers? What would you move up or down? I am very surprised that Perfect Days made it to tier two and not tier three for you. Really? Okay, because I don't well, seem enthused. I mean... They're not doing a great job of selling it to us. It's an Oscar-y film, at least with it has the potential because of the lead performance from yeah. Yakusho. And if you are putting the Sweet East and Hitman in Tier 1, mm-hmm. no for all of us strangers? You seem to be more, uh, very intrigued by that premise. I'm intrigued by it. I am intrigued by it. Yeah, maybe I should put... I don't want to necessarily... I want to mix up my experience a little bit. I don't want to put all the English language stuff there. But at the same time, typically, like you go see the big, you get, whenever you target a film festival, if you see the big studio fair, mm-hmm. it's it's probably, I mean, look at that's the thing. Like discoveries are just as important at these. Well, oh, I mean, look, you don't have to defend how you go about a film festival. You do it any way you want. That's you're spending your own money and going on your own dime. So I have saw seen a lot of niche pictures, right? And a lot you of sure the can, have a lot of the can. <laughs> you know, international mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, uh, crossovers. And look, they they wind up on VOD for seven dollars, right? A month later, right? They don't even play in our theaters here, so it, it kind of takes the wind out of my sails a little bit. You, you know, to to no, it makes sense. To spend, that makes sense to spend twenty five thirty bucks on a ticket. And you go and you want the experience of something that you can't see otherwise. I get that. What do you? I don't want to. All right, what are you second most excited to see? Because you have to be most excited for Priscilla, I would assume. Priscilla, I I really am worried that I'm not gonna I'm gonna miss it, and I really want to see Priscilla. So yeah. what would be number two on that list? Because every Friday night I can't go because I'm working. I, I can't I can't go. So that's mm-hmm. I can't go to the the centerpiece nights. So I need to see like the encores. Um, anyway, I would think those would be easier to get into anyway. The encore weekend, which I typically go to. So hopefully Priscilla. Uh, I'll be able to see there. Like, poor, poor things I'm worried about. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. very worried about poor things. Like, it could be a swing and a big miss. So, like, uh, you I, know, I, I mean, we've had reviews that call it very divisive. So. May, May, December, I'm pretty excited to see. I think that's going to be a really worthwhile drama. Okay. With Oscar implications. Again, I mean, the, the, they picked some, they picked three movies that really excite me. I just wish I could get away on a Friday, but that's where I'm at. And Anatomy of a Fall, we're going to get into that trailer, man. Mm -hmm. That was a good trailer. It was a great trailer. uh, But before that, let's let's talk about some awards news. The big story here is that the Gotham Awards have removed their budget caps. What does this mean? There's no longer a $35 million limit for a film's production budget to be eligible for the Gotham Awards. Uh, The other big rule change they made was that international features... Uh, have also been made eligible for the performance, screenplay, and breakthrough director categories. And Good. to remind you folks, the Gothams essentially have the Bingham Ray breakthrough director category. They have best screenplay award, and then they have two performance awards on the film side: best lead performance and best supporting performance. And they they threw away their gender categories at the Gotham Awards. Now, so the, this first budget cap has really worried some people at both IndieWire and Awards Watch and you know at the at the trades there that we read and we love because they're wondering like Ann Thompson at IndieWire they're fearing that the Gothams may be losing their identity as an independent film awards show now they moved or they rebranded they they their organization from the independent filmmaker project Michael the IFP to what's now called the Gotham Film and Media Institute. Mm. So they did this a couple years ago, so it seems like these changes were in the works. We've seen the HCAs really try and go bigger out in Hollywood, the Hollywood Hollywood Critics Critics Association. Association, thank you. And now the Gothams, which always had this leadoff spot, but it was like a a, a, more of an indie spirits kind of precursor than an Oscars precursor to the point where... Yes, they would foreshadow a Moonlight or an EEAAO, but they wouldn't foreshadow Oscars every year. Now, every outlet is reporting that Barbenheimer and the Studio Fair is going to be there at the Gothams as long as they make these movies eligible. So that's my setup. What do you, what do you make of the eligibility criteria here for the Gothams? I sympathize with Ann Thompson's outlook. I do think it's going to put them at risk of losing their identity, but... You know, we talked in the pre-production. We know what they're trying to do here. It's a year after the fact. We thought awards 
would tr- award shows would try to do this last year and try to jump the Golden Globes and be the new kickoff to awards. And it took everyone a year delay, but it looks like that's what everyone's jockeying to do now this year. And the HCAs, you already talked about those. The Gothams are now doing that, taking the cap off. What surprised me was they called it an arbitrary budget amount. I think it was the president of the Gothams in that article came out and said, you know, there's no need to have this arbitrary budget cap of $35 million which used to be $25 million a decade before that or something, or it was only instituted a decade ago, one of those two. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's a risk. It's certainly a risk. You run the risk of just becoming just another award show and another Critics Association show, essentially, which there's already a billion of those. But I get the allure of wanting to be the new kickoff to award season. And we talk all the time previously about how the Gothams are very nice, but they ultimately don't mean much when it comes to the Oscars race. And now they want to mean something when it comes to the Oscars race. Unless they mean everything, right. Unless they mean everything. That's been our brand. They mean everything and nothing. But they mean everything for the... Troy Kotzer's and the everything everywhere all at once and the Maggie Yeah, Jillen those ones. are the ones that are going to suffer, I think, right? You worry now. You worry that this will be, if they don't do it right, or if all of the studios don't submit, that, that's like, that seems to be something else that's been a caveat for Clayton Davis reporting on it, etc., where it seems like studios may not be sure of what this award show is trying to be. Is this just trying to be the Golden Globes? or what the Golden Globes used to be, and therefore, will the Gothams... I mean, look, will the Gothams just bump the show, too, by the way? Will they bump it to, like, December instead of late November? Because... If they want to be the new Golden Globes, they have to, at some point. They can't just... November's too early. It is too early. And maybe they, they expect to bump it anyway because of the strikes, which we'll talk about later, too. Right. This is fascinating. This is a fascinating... Scenario Do you like here. it? Well, they have upped their game in terms of production values every year. We because you and I are like were two of the you know few thousand people that were watching on YouTube mm-hmm. live mm-hmm. every year, and they were just raising the game, raising the game. All the stars would show up. Like Adam Sandler's given great speeches that went viral last year. Uh, we've we've seen we've seen a lot of our favorite uh, celebrities really give great speeches they're dropping f-bombs it's off the cuff they let them they let them go because there's only like 10 awards at the whole show so they let them go for as long as they want to talk and we've watched like the gothams really be a fun fun set you know to a to a degree and they've raised the production values with montages etc i think they're going to try and broadcast it at least online to to bigger numbers and bigger and bigger numbers every year that's the other thing if they don't if they don't have an outlet or a broadcast or something to, it's a it, it just it's going to be just another award show. Yeah, but it, not it, that it really wasn't. I mean, I get that, but at least it had the unique and it was a celebration of independent film and small right. small theater and all you know all small cinema and all this. So that's what I wonder: Are they still going to do that? Is that organization? Is that just voting body, like made up of like a lot of the people that work at IndieWire and our New York film critics? Will those juries it's, just keep picking? indie films yeah but if they do then here's my question to you do the gotham awards just reward barbenheimer like crazy and we're we're looking at barbenheimer as this like you know front-running uh duo or something your killers of the flower moon i mean do these movies just sweep the gotham awards now well, if they're serious about being an award show where there's no budget cap, then yeah. 
Mm. They should, as of right now. I mean, we'll see what happens, but right? That's my question. And if you're a New York award show mm-hmm. and you're you're having no budget and there's no rules in a year where Marty Scorsese's putting out a, a $200 million feature with De Niro and Leo, then yes, that's your winner, right? So Christopher Nolan has got to get his Gotham's Best Picture speech ready. Greta Gerwig's <laughs> got, she's got to get it ready. Because we know if you deliver a great speech on that night, it can help. After years in which we just saw Troy Kotzer win everyone over and Kiwi Kwan win everyone those are the speeches that are going to get pushed aside, I think. These these small smaller performances in these lesser-known movies, even though they're not lesser-known, but you understand what I'm saying there, to build momentum by these speeches at award shows, that's going to hurt them, I would think. Hmm. No? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. It's a it's a fascinating it is. segment here, and, and p- please let us yeah. uh, know, fans and listeners, what you guys think. Because, yeah, that's interesting. The Gotham Awards, what the hell are they going to be this year? Uh, I think we should get into some trailers now. I, uh, I you know, one of... One of the trailers that has hit me more than most of late, yeah. and again, Netflix is on a roll here, is Reptile. I loved this trailer. I was a sucker for it, too. It felt like True Detective Season 1, man. It felt like back in the day when a certain director who only directed music videos for like a decade turned into uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the best narrative storytellers we've had in David Fincher. And now Grant Singer, who's done nothing but music videos, is becoming a feature film director, co-written and directed by him. And you got Benicio Del Toro with a whodunit over Justin Timberlake, Michael Pitt. Uh, so, and, oh my God, so many suspects, Michael. We could agree Justin Timberlake did it, right? <laughs> He's, uh, and, 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 Benicio del Toro is is picking them. That that was my favorite part of this trailer. You had all of the cops taking bets on who they thought did it. Yeah, and and they rolled down the quote unquote suspect list. Mm-hmm. I like that too. That's a great way to kind of have some exposition going into the movies, knowing what you're thinking. I also thought it was interesting. Netflix has been doing this thing where they roll out these trailers and these first looks three weeks or four weeks before the the property hits their streamer and this one's got basically a month and three week lead up which is a little longer i mean it doesn't come out till i think october 6th on netflix it's gonna play tiff like you have written down here and my first thought aside from being like oh this looks actually really intriguing is that man justin timberlake has a hell of a team behind him because this guy has been laying in the weeds for so long, and he just happens to have this banger of a movie coming out with this it, intriguing premise that just happens to fall a month before the Trolls World Tour movie <laughs> is coming out that happens to be festering all these rumors about this big in-sync reunion tour going. Like, this is going to be a Timber lake I'm in for it. He's a, he's a fun actor to watch. I, I loved his turn into it, and... Uh, yeah, even those crappy movies that he did when we were younger. In Time was great. How dare you? <laughs> or Out of Time, whatever the hell the name of that movie was. He He's charismatic, man. He's he's fun to watch. Runner, Runner. I watched all of those. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> of course we did. Uh, uh, Alpha Dog came out on my birthday. I remember that vividly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Justin Timberlake, he's got, uh, he's got some chops. 
So we'll see how he does. Alicia Silverstone with a juicy role. Why is yeah. he looking so suspicious yeah. in this trailer? This, then, is this going to be uh, uh here we go. Wild Things. It's going to be like a Wild Things type scenario where everybody ends up being the bad guy at the oh end. Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> uh but there's also some cool actors in this like Ato Asando of The Diplomat. He was so good as Carrie Russell's like right hand you know, you love uh, the diplomat. I love the diplomat. Yeah. And then Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz. I don't know if she's the victim, but it's fascinating because she was in Revenge, and oh my God, she was what a great performance in Revenge. That was a couple. That was a couple years ago. That was a wild movie. Uh, I loved it. It was on Shutter for forever. Anyway, I mean, but every one of these characters is like this suspicious-looking face. Revenge was an absolutely wild movie. I agree that this is a great trailer a great sell job by netflix a great sales job by justin timberlake's team to position this movie in this way and his performance in it um if you were to tell me that this is going to contend for netflix's top 10 all time i would buy it i think really really so i guess that leads me into a prop bet for you on how do you think this great trailer turns into a movie like i regardless i didn't do the uh the ratings prop bet here but i did do a guess the meta score. I have four options okay. for you. All right. Guess the meta score. Over 75 meta score, which would be very high. I'll even add some some uh, some odds. I wrote down plus 300. I'll give you plus 600. Mm. Plus it's 600. Intrig- it's enticing, but I know why you're doing that. I'm gonna, I, I I also don't think it'll be that high. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna again I'm gonna add some some incentives for you. Plus 300 for a 70 or over, which would be mm-hmm. solid. Yeah. You can bet on that. There's a world in which that happens. Uh, over 65, I'll give you... I'll give you minus 100. You can even, hammer that. Even odds? And then okay. under 65, I'll give you... You know, minus... Minus 400. 500. Minus 500. I upped the odds, so I better up... The, uh, minus 700, excuse me. Minus 700 for under 65. Under which 65. Is where, which is where it's most likely going to fall, right? But minus 700 is pretty much prohibitive. I know you don't like minus... Uh, anything uh, anything above minus 500. It's not fun. Yeah. You gotta sweat it out. So what are you taking there? Guess the meta score of Reptile. What are you taking? I... It, just because of the odds, I think I would do over 65. If you're giving me even money, <laughs> I think that's where I would do. Because minus 700 is prohibitive. Like, that's where it's going to end up. But there's a chance in which it, it hits right with critics. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But I'd put 50 bucks on uh, on over 65 there. Okay. That's a tight window, 65 to 70. Do I have to? Do I get it if it's like a 72 still? You you get if it you get it if it's over sixty five. I didn't put a range on it, so All right. you can All hammer right. it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put fifty bucks on that. I won't go crazy. Put half a unit. Okay, got it. All right, let's move into the anatomy of a fall the trailer. The new trailer. We've reviewed the international trailer already. This is the first U.S. trailer from Neon. This felt like such an American trailer redux because I, I told you I had shown my brother. Anatomy of Falls coming to the New York Film Festival. It's probably not coming to, to you know Connecticut theaters until the end of October. It's going to platform maybe November. But so we were like, it's worth it for me to see it at the festival, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Anatomy of a Fall has this French trailer about with this kid playing the piano, this blind son supposedly hearing what the parents are arguing about all the time, and he's put in the crosshairs during the courtroom scenes, and it's not the most intense trailer, and yet you have like this throwback trailer to like 1990s early aughts 2000 thrillers michael that we it's love the good son with orphan <laughs> we loved all those That's crazy what this trailer reminded me of trailers that would like the words fly by and the smash cuts to all of the uh critical pull quotes a whodunit where marriage is the prime subject mm-hmm. and then and then like remember the one words flash on your face it takes your breath away <laughs> and this is after we watched the boring ass french trailer yeah we got the it looks like a completely piano. different movie completely different movie this looked awesome. <laughs> this looks like a Best Picture nominee. <laughs> I'm wondering the pacing of this film. I really am. Because last year, Triangle of Sadness had this raucous trailer that came out of the uh, Cannes Film Festival and won the Palme d'Or. Door, excuse me. And it was not paced that way when you went to the film. Some of these quotes, they unbelievably tense. It'll take your breath away. A scintillating thriller. It can't be that slow paced. That's my hope. But this can film going audience is comparing it to about dry grasses, which is a three hour movie about Turkish teachers <laughs> having midlife crisis. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know, but I've seen these. I've seen this happen up team times before. These so, films are slower paced at these festivals. So was brother Daniel in to see this now after this trailer? I sent it to him. I haven't gotten a reaction yet. He's okay. got to text me. He's got to let me know. If he's listening now, I'm very curious. So here's, but it's, but yeah, to give you the backstory in terms of this next prop bet, I'm wondering if, you know, do you think I will convince him to see Anatomy of a Fall with me at the New York Film Festival? Now, this is a hairy bet because I could just convince him. Or it could land perfectly on the calendar because we're trying to go that first weekend, September 30th. This mm-hmm. movie comes out in theaters October 13th in New York and L.A. Right. So I could see it coming out that first weekend. So we're trying to pair a couple of movies together. We may pair Anatomy of a Fall and Poor Things together. If That would that would be a good little How double. does he feel? What are some of his favorite movies of all time? He wants... Oh, Jesus... I just give me like a sm- something you know he likes. Give me I need to I need to get into his brain. One of his favorite movies is Hot Fuzz. That's like his favorite movie. He movie. loves the he loves the Cornetto trilogy. He mm-hmm. loves uh, So he's got an affinity for he European loves Nolan. He European loves, film. Yeah, but he he loves I'm trying to think. Uh, he loves South Korean cinema. He loves old boy, loves Okay. Does he care yeah. about the Oscars? To an extent. He loved Parasite, by the way. Sorry, he loves Tarantino. I've taught him well. I mean, we—he was like five years old. I was in college, and I was showing him The Matrix. <laughs> I was getting in a lot of trouble with my family. So he's a, he's a tr- well-traveled viewer. He's not just you a see, film bro. This is a stand-in for God. <laughs> um. But his number one target at this festival, he loves Yorgos Lanthimos movies, even though he knows they're screwed up. And his rationale is at least that's going to be a. It's going to be intense. Even if it's bad, it's going to be so crazy that it's worth seeing. Like, see, this is this is tickling my fancy because I need to. I want to be right about this. Poor thing. So, I'm giving you the odds. Will I convince my brother Daniel to see Anatomy of a Fall in New York with me? 
I'll even give you in New York with me because maybe we go a week later. Plus twelve hundred. I'm not gonna so what does no you answer. convincing him mean? What are the parameters of you convincing well, him? Well, I think it's got to land on one of those first few weekends because I'm going to be a weekend warrior at this festival. Maybe I'll shoot in for a weeknight. He can't do that. But if I, he's reluctant, it's like, fine, I'll go. Does that count? Yes, and he's that's where he's at right now, to, truthfully. He's at, like, I'll go if it pairs up because he wants to see two movies in a row and he wants to do, like, uh, you know, P.J. Clark. So he doesn't need or, to be excited about seeing it. Correct. It just got to pair up, and I don't. I'm wondering how things are going to pair up for us. So this is more a bet about scheduling. It's a bet about scheduling as much as it is about anything else. About temperament. Okay, that's why I included that caveat. I'm wondering if he throw. I mean, even if he threw a hundred dollars on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, for twelve hundred, those are for, for a movie in which he's already agreeing to see. You have to bet that. <laughs> <laughs> So I would say yes. I, I would have. I would put a hundred bucks on it. No, you you do you do. <laughs> okay. I've discovered recently that my joking about having a problem aren't jokes. <laughs> All right, that's the anatomy of a fall trailer, <laughs> and just reckless, just reckless betting. All right, she came to me September 29th. Peter Dinklage, Anne Hathaway, Marissa Tomei. A lot was made about this trailer, written and directed. Uh, by Rebecca Miller of Maggie's Plan, Personal Velocity, a couple of good movies there. All right, what did you think of this trailer? Because this is probably not super Oscar-y, and yet there's some sneaky Oscar potential, perhaps. So I talk all the time about how casting should be an Oscars category, and I love when movies are casted well, and I, I, the casting process to me is one of the most fascinating behind-the-scenes things. In um, another life, would you be, come back as a casting director? I would like to in my in terms of like things that most intrigue me about the industry. And this is why Mike and I don't really have qualms about putting on our show during the the strikes, because I don't think (laughs) we're not we don't have any plans to join SAG. Maybe the WGA at some point in like the far, far future, if things line up perfectly, but still no. But so like for me, what 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 I would do, my power rank of what I want to be at the industry is one, the guy who goes to film festivals and picks movies for the studio. (laughs) And bids on movies. That's my number. I want to be that more than anything in life. (laughs) I don't understand that because you don't go to film festivals now. If I I... went with somebody else's money and could like curate (laughs) the lineup for a studio and then get all the praise for that studio, I absolutely, yes. No question. We've been Um, over this, though. This is me having to see everything and point you in the direction of the few things I think Probably. you might like. Most likely. Then you get to bet on them. Yes. Right. Correct. So we've settled that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, casting director would definitely be up there. Be so top five. She came to me. That you, said, yeah. the casting for this movie is batshit. Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei as, as a psychotic fisherwoman. Tugboat captain. She's Give a psychotic me a fucking break. <laughs> stalker fishboat tugboat captain. Is she captain. not? I mean, she's the most beautiful person to ever hold that job. <laughs> Anne Hathaway as a psychiatrist, you know, with serious issues of uh, what do they call that syndrome? The OCD. No, yes. She's always cleaning and, and her patients are falling in love with her, which is not surprising, <laughs> of course. She's beautiful. But 
the fact that they're falling so in love with her. And, and yeah, Peter Dinklage, the vacuuming scene is really funny. That was he, funny. Yes. I where agree. he's, you know, yeah. We'll, no, we'll, leave it on. Keep it going. <laughs> trying to get a pitch. And then she's just standing there with the vacuum in the air. That was good. Yeah. Great pull quote in here. There has not been a romantic comedy this inventive in a long time. And yet when you look at the Metascore and the Rotten Tomatoes score, because it came out at a previous film festival, 51 Metascore, 65 RT, that's not great. Now, we've seen comedies, especially weird ones, come out with like mixed scores and they eventually wind up in the 80s. Bruce Springsteen has an original song in here. That's why I'm bringing this up movie up. That's interesting. Addicted to Romance. Springsteen is a two-time Oscar nom, one-time winner for Philadelphia. He's been banging on the door these last 30 years. He had Secret Garden from Jerry Maguire. The Wrestler was supposed to be a nominee, and The Wrestler underperformed on nomination day. We all remember that. Ricky and the Flash, I remember you know, being you know closely invested in, mm-hmm. in 2016's Oscar race, probably why we both started this podcast, because he was in the mix there with the Ricky and the Flash original song. You never know. She came to me might be an Oscar nominee if Bruce Springsteen has anything to say about it. We are getting to, uh, first of all, I've seen, I've been watching, actually, oddly enough, nothing to do with this trailer, but I've been watching Springsteen, his world tour, the mm. concerts that he's been putting on this year. And for a guy in his 70s, him and Stevie Van Zandt, like, to still do what they're doing and be as active as they are on stage is crazy. It's like the that's Rolling great. Stones all over again. Yeah. Um, that's one. They still put on a hell of a show. Two, we're getting to a point where, you know, all these legends are getting up there. Mm. So if we are going to give them one more go and one more award and, you know, lifetime achievement encapsulated in this year's Oscars or this year's Grammys or this year's award du jour, yeah, it might be the time. So it, it, I don't know if there's enough. Look, nostalgia is still big, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. I, this could line up for those reasons. Barbie has a lot of songs in the mix, so is there mm-hmm. some vote sharing there? I know people get mad at me for mentioning vote sharing, but you never know. If it's not, is it because you don't refer to it as voting cannibalism, like I do? You is that why it, people get mad at you? Uh, no, but <laughs> you get mad at me for that. <laughs> you I'm enjoy, always thinking of the horror fans. You enjoy the term cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> is Anne Hathaway and Natalie Portman going to eat each other alive? <laughs> You're so weird, man. <sighs> anyway, uh, Cassandra, we'll move on. Cassandra, she came to Speaking me as a fun trailer. Cassandra is a fun trailer. Amazon Prime in theaters on the 12th of September, on Prime Video on the 22nd. Big hit from Sundance. About wrestling, Gael Garcia Bernal, Bad Bunny, 81 Metascore, co-written and directed by documentarian Roger Ross Williams, who made a documentary about Cassandro, uh, The Man Without a Mask, in 2016. He's since made 2019's The Apollo, which had cl- chances at the Oscars. Love to Love You, Donna Summer has been Emmy you know, in the mix for Emmys this year. Michael follows the true story of Cassandro, the Exotico character created by Saul... Armendari's uh, gay re- amateur wrestler from El Paso who rose to international stardom. I thought this was a great trailer. It was emotional. It was intense. It's you like a lot of wrestling. Libre was taken seriously. Yeah. Very, very flamboyant, very colorful guy following his dream. Um, I am shocked that I knew nothing about this story. Wow. 
so this is all news to me. But yeah, I was wrestling's really having a moment in pop culture right now too, which is kind of cool. This the claw. There's a uh, new series coming out on Netflix that's focused on OVW Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, there's a Apple TV series for the Monster Academy. I think. Have Obviously, you watched AEW's Heels thing. at all? I have not uh, yet, but I it, you know it's on the list with everything else. It's very mm-hmm. much on my radar. I'm very aware of it. Stephen Amell, CM Punk, AJ Lee joined this year. I know this season. So turning um, wrestling into narrative television, into content, or 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 uh, streaming content is something that's happening a lot. There's a huge audience out there for it. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Glow is brought back. I still see that popping up every once in a while as people like clamoring for that. I love the first season so much. Second season went a little kooky. Did you finish it? Yeah. yeah. You, you did you like the? Th- I thought the third season was better than the second. I thought it was a return to form. I can't remember. It was a, there was okay. three seasons. I, I remember. I, I forget what it was. That that the, there was a a latter season that I didn't love. Yeah, two, two I, I thought finish. lost its way a little. Unless I'm completely misremembering two, and we're just getting old, which is very possible. Right. But um, as far as uh, Cassandra, I didn't know anything about the exotic. Like I knew about the flamboyant and the androgynous character from America, uh, Goldust. Goldust yeah. uh, uh, Gorgeous George was an early one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian Adonis uh, was just on a. I think he was the subject of Dark Side of the Ring, which is a fantastic wrestling documentary on Vice. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy that wrestling's kind of having this moment. It's great to see Bad Bunny is a wrestler now. He's had multiple matches within WWE. Um, so it, it's it's great. I love it. I will be watching this absolutely. All right. So those are those are our trailers that we've gotten. Rebel Moon is probably out. The trailer from Netflix by Zack Snyder, and I. I had hoped that we would record in time for this trailer to drop, but it's not dropped yet. So. I Does already it shock wrote, you that Zack Snyder's getting a Christmas release? Uh, I don't know. I I, I got to look back at his previous releases. I thought, mm. uh, well, I think I guess the uh, the zombie movies have been released when Thanksgiving. I don't remember yes, them being released right. in October, so it's not a big bump for him to go Thanksgiving to Christmas. At least on Netflix, Gather they've the done very well on Netflix, a, right? Gather the family around, watch a Zack Snyder movie. Rebel Moon, when a peaceful colony on the edge of a galaxy finds itself threatened by the armies of... Why am I reading a premise? It's a weird sci-fi premise, but it's going to be a war on another planet. Good cast. Zack Snyder's doing a war movie? Sophia Boutella, sci-fi war movie, right? Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Ed Screen, a bunch of the Game of Thrones people. Anyway, I guess you didn't see the teasers to the trailer. I have not. But the ships look pretty real. It looks like Dune-like. I mean, I gave you some odds for a VFX Oscar nom. We can save those. But I did want to ask you of what you think Netflix and their Oscar slate's going to do because we've been talking about Maestro and and Reptile and we've been talking about... This is a misdirect. I didn't read this one. I I read the Zack Snyder VFX one. I was ready to actually hammer the no. So but this one's this is good. I like this. No, okay. how many Oscar noms will Netflix get this year? They've been decreasing a little bit over the last few years, but last year they had 17, I think. Nine went to All Quiet on the Western Front. They had a couple short film Oscar nominees, but they had 17 overall. Wow. Will they do better than last year with a slate of Maestro, May, December, Rustin, El Conde? Oh I mean, they're going to acquire some films from these film festivals, I'm guessing. Right. 
Escape from Hat, Leo, Chicken Run. I don't know if they got the animated so that they... You're getting very good at playing the house, can I just say. I'm very proud of you, because these are great odds. Because my first instinct, just looking at this list, is like, no, no way. But I'm not going to bet a minus 500, so you're, you're doing well for yourself here. Over 17 odds, plus 400. Are you hitting that? Can they do better than last year if Maestro does really well? If Rustin... I mean, Nyad's got a lot of buzz... After its first look, and that Benning, she's swimming. What a shocker! We said this for months. They're going to film her underwater but for months. Is <laughs> swimming acting? We've been asking this question for centuries. <laughs> the killer, David Fincher. They still got some major heavy hitters to come out, and Netflix tip like we we said. Typically, they hammer the short categories: international feature, docs, animated. That seems a little thinner this year at the moment. So How that's where you. you may want to take How the under 17 at minus 500. Disregard Escape from Hats so wantonly. We're not sure Escape from Hats coming out this year. but And we've also said that animated feature, lock four of them in. We're also so, not sure Escape from Hats a real movie at this point. We're not. <laughs> we are not. Great name. Great name. Um, under 12 Oscars, I give you even odds. Under 17, minus 500. Over 17, plus 400. How many Oscar noms is Netflix? Twelve is even. Wow. Oh, so I'm trying to steal your money here. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm ruthless. So to me, <laughs> there's two. There's two things. One is the wild card of what May, December, Nyad, and the Killer are going to do, if anything. Mm-hmm. Like how many of those? And then the, the bigger question is, what is Maestro? Is Maestro going to be a nomination juggernaut? I mean, is Cooper going to be in lead and director along with Carrie Mulligan? Is it going to get there for cinematography and production design and costume is, design? Is Rustin going to be a nomination juggernaut? George you C. Think, Wolf. You think we Rustin already... has a chance to be like like eight or nine noms? Screenplay, director, lead actor, supporting actor. You know, picture, costumes, maybe production design. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not a juggernaut, but it's probably a, a half a dozen. The Killer could be a half a dozen. Like, if one of those movies hit, May, December, right. Rustin, Nyad, The Killer, you're looking at four or five noms. You're looking at a handful of noms for one of these. And then Maestro could be the juggernaut. And then you also get, you know, a handful of nods from the rest of the slate. Netflix always has a huge-ass slate. They acquire movies from these festivals. Michael, over 17 could be enticing. It's very... Plus 400, you're not biting. Plus 800, would you bite? (laughs) 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 Just... Raise the number, but you don't believe Netflix is going to do better at this these year's Oscars, is my guess, correct? Well, or do you? This is why I'm sick, okay? <laughs> I might bet both the over 17 and the under 12 in this situation. Oh. If I, if I raise it to plus 800, you would hedge at the even odds? I might 12. do it at plus 400. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick, man. <laughs> David, he's I, a sick man. I think I do. I mean, because there is a world in which Maestro <laughs> bombs. Yeah. And, you know, May, December gets an acting nom. Rustin gets an acting nom. The killer gets nothing. 
I'm just surprised you're hedging with even odds. Like, that doesn't well, seem I, I, mathematically... I, I'm a moron, Mike. That's why I'm a degenerate. <laughs> How many Netflix Oscar noms this year? Over, under 17. I would do. I would put 50 bucks on over 17 and under 12. I would hedge that way. Wow. And then it'll be under it'll be under 17, it'll be like 14 noms and I'll lose everything. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Those are that I don't you have one more prop bet for me coming up? Yes. All right. I, so that, I'm out of prop bets. I ended up giving you 3. I thought I had 2, but I, there was 3. So, let's move into some industry news. This may be a quicker segment here because we don't know what's going on, but the WGA and AMPTP to give you guys a strike update. Those two organizations have been meeting regularly Tuesday through Friday of last week. They're set to meet all, all of this week. We've had uh, them trading proposals, supposedly. There's, quote, more positive momentum than last week, unquote, uh, from the Hollywood Reporter there. We've been listening to Matt Bellany's The Town and IndieWire's screen, screen Talk. All of our favorite pundits are wondering, Michael, if silence is typically a good thing in these negotiations, if they're getting closer, the WGA. That's better than mudslinging in the press, for sure. I mean, you still get the call to actions regarding media consolidations, and you still get a lot of barbs being thrown when individuals are being, you know, uh, being interviewed. However, there does seem to be some progress. Can I say that? We don't know. I didn't expect them to meet this much. So, yeah, I, I, good for good for both sides as long as they're doing it, you know, genuinely and not. I mean, that first meeting that like we talked about a couple of weeks ago seemed like it was a, a ploy and it backfired in the AMPTP's face. Really? So, it, you know, as long as there's actual trying to come to the table, I, I saw. Who the hell was it? God damn it. Some SAG's done a good job of um, having a presence on TikTok mm-hmm. and having famous actors talk to their TikTok and talk about the strikes and all this and update. I cannot for the life of me remember it was some big name actor talking to TikTok on the SAG account, the okay. SAG after account, and saying that he had heard that the studios had hadn't even talked to each other yet. Well, SAG and the studios are not meeting yet. They're next, I would guess. Right, right. Like this the is the DGA. WGA cut a deal immediately the wga after right. 100 days there was all that bad press about this right, going right, on right. for 100 so days so my the reason i bring that up is that if if the studios haven't talked about each other with sag then i don't know how much progress there is on any deal with wga sag anyone because i would think the point of the a i mean the a and ptp wants to balance both guilds right like, they have to have a, a bright line with, like, okay, we're giving the WGA this, so we can't go further than this with SAG. We can't offer them more than this, or vice versa. Probably vice versa in that case. We gave SAG this, so we refuse to go further than this with the WGA. So I if don't the studios know. really they, haven't talked, then they, I don't know that there's any progress being made in reality. But uh, we're also in the dark on this. I mean, us especially, more than anyone. So you Who think knows? the WGA will hold out until there's a SAG deal before the WGA? No, I think the WGA to wants to get a deal before SAG. And I think the studios want to get a WGA deal before SAG, just based on how they're progressing here. Probably, but the reason for that to me is so they can screw the writers over more. Wow. 
No? Am I, I mean, I am always more cynical. I, I am well, such a revolutionary. <laughs> like, like, damn the man. Bring studios, down the system. The studios <laughs> Capitalism is bullshit. Yeah. focused on the directors, and then uh, they went to the writers. So it only, I mean, I think that's their strategy. They, they want to cut deals with one group at a time. SAG is going to get the best deal. You agree with that? Sure. No? You don't I, agree I with that? I would guess. I would guess. Sure. I would, too. I would, too. I mean, well, the DGA may end up getting the best deal, but I don't. I think the writers are going to end up getting most of what they ask for. Really? Okay. Which they should. I mean, they shouldn't have taken 100 and some odd days already. But I also didn't expect this strike to end, the WGA one especially, until I didn't expect the AMPTP to meet with the WGA until like October or November. So the fact that they've had a couple talks is more promising than I would have imagined at this point anyway. And having more. So we'll see if they fall through. We don't know. Or maybe we're doing a... A big episode, another Oscar race checkpoint yeah. about a deal. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this story has anything to do with the other because AI created art is not copyrightable according to some circuit courts. That's, that's a bad headline for that article because okay. it, it, it it inspired a lot of hope where it shouldn't be. But this is via Winston Cho's work for The Hollywood Reporter. And yeah, at first blush, AI's created art is not copyrightable. Sounds like a big win for the strikers. But in reality, this may have been a blueprint from the courts to the creators of AI on how to get make things legal, which would be music to the studio's ears. But yeah, a federal judge agreed with the U.S. Copyright Office's ruling that a piece of art made entirely by a machine is not available to copyright protections in the United States. This is direct, a quote from the article, Copyright Law has never stretched so far to protect works generated by new forms of technology operating absent any guiding human hand. The opinion stressed human authorship is a bedrock requirement. And if you read further, it it, it sounds like copyright law is going to be kind of availed to the same similar tests as what fair use is right now uh, quote an application for work created with the help of ai can support a copyright claim if a human selected or arranged it in a sufficiently creative way that the resulting work constitutes an original work of authorship um again at first blush this sounds like okay any a any work made by ai isn't copyrightable that's not what the case was in front of the court mm. what the case was was uh, a guy who had made an AI machine was arguing that a piece of art created by the AI should be copyrighted to the AI, to the machine wholly, which created the art. He didn't want, he himself who made the machine did not want the copyright. He would have gotten the copyright by proxy by terms of him owning the machine, but he's saying the machine itself should have been given the copyright over the ownership of that piece of art. That was the specific and narrow question being asked by the court. Meanwhile, the machine is just laughing because they know when they take over the world, none of these laws will matter because the machine will be one okay go keep going please but the problem the problem with that narrow question is that i'll read this part again an application for work created with the help of ai can support a copyright claim if a human selected or arranged it in a sufficiently creative way that the resulting work constitutes an original work of authorship so because this guy was saying look i don't want the copyright my machine should get it I should only get the copyright by ownership of the machine. The federal court said, no, you can't. That's, we're not giving 
you know, it's the same. They brought in an example, and this is also in Cho's article, a monkey taking a picture. Well, we can't give the monkey the copyright because it's not a human. A human authorship has to have some kind of role to play here. What the court said in that quote, though, is, look, if you're going to apply for the copyright claim saying that you made the machine and the input that you had to developing this AI is what created this picture from the AI, then we can give you, the human who authored the machine, the copyright. Mm-hmm. So this is basically saying anyone who puts, at least my interpretation of it, if you put have input into the AI machine, any work the AI machine makes could be, you you have a chance to be, have uh, get copyright protection for that work for you the human who put the input into the ai machine which is why you said the studios are looking at this and saying all right we can get exactly we can get copyrights for anything our ais produce because because we're in charge of inputting into the machine my question is now okay if that's the way the courts are going to play this let's say like the wizard of oz right and this is just a whole holy example i'm making up so don't worry about where the wizard of oz actually lies with ip let's say i own the copyright the loan copyright to the wizard of oz right mm-hmm. and you're making an ai machine and for it's strictly for script writing purposes so you're just taking every and, and, and i mean the per, the point of these ai machines is that they don't they're not their own intelligence they rely wholly on the input from humans that the the humans give it so right? far mm-hmm. right so if I own the copyright to The Wizard of Oz and you're making an AI machine strictly for script writing purposes, mm-hmm. are we at the point where I'm going to have to sue you personally or, or claim an injunction against you if your machine spits out something having to do with The Wizard of Oz because you input The Wizard of Oz information into that machine and I didn't grant you the license for my copyright for, the, for your machine to have that input? So I'm wondering laziness, if that's where this is getting. The laziness of the studios if they just say, give me something like Barbenheimer. Yes, and the only, Barbenheimer reason, the only reason the machine would know what Barbenheimer is is because you put in input about both Barbie and Oppenheimer. Well, if you take those story elements from the, that movie and your machine spits out a script similar to that, if I wholly own the copyright to either Oppenheimer or Barbie... Am I going to have to sue you? So basically, are the owners of the copyrights, the original copyrights, is the only way we stop this AI thing, based on how this federal court ruled and the way the snowball is gathering momentum, are the owners of the copyrights going to have to personally sue for injunctions against the creators of these AI machines to keep their work from being input into the AI in the first place, is my question. And we know that copyrights, lawsuits in Hollywood are cottage industry. We know that they're everywhere. Right. It happened constantly. It's the price of doing business for these studios. Right. So that's got to scare them if they if, could be countersued. I, I mean, the what would scare them more, I think, is if there was some kind of, you know, maybe not a union uh, clash action starting to form. The individual copyright owners are going to have to get in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. And if they can co- somehow, like, form a coalition to go after the studios with... That would, I think, that'd be pants pooping time for the studios. Wow. If the studios don't already own most of the copyrights, which I imagine they do, which could be a whole, you know, that could flip that entire issue on its head because if the studios own most of the copyrights for these works anyway, then they could be free and clear. And that could be a whole screwing the striking workers even more. This is all very highbrow, very legal theory stuff. It's, 
it's nuts. So is is something like this helping a deal to be made or hurting a deal to be made? Where the where's the leverage actually going? Because we have I, it's tough. I don't think anyone knows because I I think it's tough to say right now and predict which way the leaning. I, I think you need to know first of all where who holds that kind of power, who holds the copyrights. I would imagine right now it's the studios. I would. I mean, the studios make the movies. They probably own all the copyrights of the stories and the intellectual property associated with those films. Mm-hmm. So, if the studios know that, that would probably entice them to want to even further push the AI issue, which is what they're doing already, and what we've read, read about the negotiations with both SAG and the WGA. The WGA can't. Like they, they have to. They can't make a deal without AI being addressed specifically and without guardrails for AI being addressed within studios. Like, that has to be almost, I think, priority number one right at this point for the future of human writers and human authorship. Oh, my God. can't believe we're here. Yeah. I thought it was... I, I Look, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was some posturing as part of the problem that we weren't there yet, but no, we're there. We're well, there. We're, we're not, but, like... We're close. We're, we're going to be. Yeah, exactly. And by the time we are, if it isn't addressed, it's way too late. Holy shnikes. All right. That is your strike update. I'm I'm less confused than when I first read <laughs> oh, it. Oh, good, good. Okay, thank that's you. good. Good. Even though, I, no, but it, there's there's a lot of push and pull there. No, I'm, I, I was worried you were, I was worried I was only going to confuse. So I'm glad. I'm genuinely happy to hear your, you followed that. Somewhat. I Mostly. thought I was just talking and to an extent I no i was listening to start talking about the 1998 yankees lineup and how intently it was right. great compared to this bullshit we're dealing with in 2023 anyway we Jake uh powers is a leadoff come on right uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good good well now you lost everybody <laughs> let's uh let's finish with a quick box office update slash make the case i don't have huge reviews here uh, but I did want to review two new movies, Blue Beetle and Strays. Michael, how how did Blue Beetle do? So Blue Beetle did twenty five million domestically in its opening weekend and added another eighteen point six overseas, a forty three point six worldwide opening on a hundred and ten million dollar budget. That leads me to my final prop bet. Mm. It's easy and a straightforward one, and we we all know the drama having to do with Blue Beetle and its place within the WB library under the Zaslav regime. That opening number certainly isn't great. It's just a straightforward prop bet. Will Blue Beetle go over 1.5x its budget? Will it reach 165 million worldwide after its almost 44 million dollar opening? Over 165, I have but plus 125. Under, I have at minus 170. Uh, I think it does have international appeal, right? I, I think mean, it'll go over barely 1.5. Really? And I. Th- I don't feel great about it, so I'd put like fifty bucks on it. Okay, I think I would hit the under even at one seventy. Mm-hmm. But again, there is an easy international appeal with that movie, so I wouldn't be surprised. But once it, I mean, a forty million dollar opening—that people can't be happy with that. It's not great. It's not great. But it the movie does have goods to be delivered here. Like the family plot line is re- really, uh, really charming and really fun. The that's uh, the best part of the movie. The the Reyes family members are funny and lovable, and you got uh, George Lopez. He's funny. The grandmother's funny. The abuela. Uh, they have hidden pasts and stuff, and it, it it's it's a good family story. The problem is like the superhero stuff's not great. 
Like I don't. Oh, that's not good. I don't love. I don't love the whole story of the scarab and the super soldiers and the. And unfortunately, the lead. It, here's the problem with this movie: like the acting falls off a cliff three quarters of the way in, and everybody just starts screaming. Like you know, when the actors just like they know they're going into the finale, and they all just get each other riled up, and it's just what the hell. Mm. So that I was just I was upset by that. I just it didn't work. The overacting was is bad. there an antagonist? Yep. Like, is Susan, there a big super bad? Susan Sarandon should fire her agent because yeah. she's stuck playing the the heavy for much of the film, and uh, she should want to quit acting after delivering all of this terrible dialogue because oh, she no. is just Anthony Hopkins and Mission Impossible's two there, wow. just exposition dumping all over the screen. I just want awful. So that's so sad. That's that's rough, and then like any plot twist in the movie is just tipped off and foreshadowed an hour earlier. I know exactly how this movie's going to end, you know, uh, twenty minutes in, yeah. and that's what's frustrating. So, some good spectacles remain though, like the storming the castle sequence is really fun. Again, I mentioned that the, the family stuff is great, and when you have big VFX, which I'm glad they upped the ante, they moved this movie to theaters. Did a really good job with the actual Beatles, Blue Beatles stuff uh, in that sequence in particular. The bet, the end fight, they really didn't know how to film a, an action scene with the, the fist fights. That was unfortunate. A lot of tight shots. It just didn't work. So, yeah, Blue Beetle, like a C minus, great for me. Disappointed, unfortunately. Oh, that's sad to hear. It was the first movie to upend Barbie at the box office. Barbie does finish number two. It did $21 million in the fifth weekend. It's up to 566.8 domestically, up to $1.28 billion worldwide. Mm. Big, big rake for Barbie. It's it's yeah. going to pass Super Mario Brothers, Mike. The uh, What was the 654? Does it get to that 654 number domestically? I don't know. That's why I... I I picked the did I pick the over on that high sixes? You said yeah. over five hundred million domestically, you said I would bet all of my bank account. Oh boy. <laughs> then over Who's keeping track? I thought we weren't oh Well, boy. you know, it's over five hundred million, so you, you would have won back your bank account. Uh, oh, I, oh, oh, I'm odds. sorry. I thought I said that over six fifty four. No, even, even over six over six fifty four. Uh, you said even if I had to bet, I would bet a little. Wasn't somebody supposed to be keeping track of all our prop bets so that, that I probably I, I did the, that for the first episode and I haven't since. Yeah. Barbie, uh, yeah, you have all my fake money. It's just yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you you hit your first prop bet. You're you're good. You're over five hundred million. One point two eight. I don't know. That yeah, but I didn't know. Money. It's like folding a winning hand at the poker table. <laughs> Fair enough. Oppenheimer did 10.7 million in its fifth weekend. It's up to 285 million domestically, 718 and a half million worldwide right now. Yeah, Logan Paul walked out on Oppenheimer, and that's been a big story in the struck trades, right? Or the the, the, or the dealing with the strike trades right now because they got nothing to report on. <laughs> I uh, look. I've never been a big uh, Logan Paul guy until recently, and seeing his work in the WWE and how okay. he got on that flight right to a. Uh, right from WWE to go to his brother's boxing match in Vegas. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But if Logan Paul saying there was too much talking in Oppenheimer, that's that's enough for me to say that it deserves best picture. It's probably winning best picture now, right? <laughs> the film bros are not in for it, even though everybody saw it. And even though 
Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. This, this this is lining up. If that's the backlash coming for Oppenheimer, I think Oppenheimer's okay. Uh, we'll see if more backlash does come at some point. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one eighteen worldwide right now, eight point five on the weekend. Beat Strays in fifth, eight point two. Mike, I was very disappointed in Strays. I'm so disheartened to hear this too. A movie we both wanted to see being Doggy Daddies. Yeah. Now the doggy characters are well written. I, I enjoyed them all, and they're actually, they got storylines. They're just not that funny. That's the problem with Strays. Like, it's just a bunch of poop, humping, pee jokes, pee-pee jokes that, uh, like, what the hell? Like, mm. this movie's made for 12-year-olds. Like, nobody laughed in my theater. Nobody, even though it was full it's of 12 rated R, isn't it? It's rated R. Mm, so 12-year-olds aren't getting to it. But they were in the theater. Like, whole families were in the movie theater that I watched this with on, a, like, a Saturday afternoon. Nobody laughed the whole movie. It was really awkward. <laughs> That's not good. I think I, I mean, look, it's worth a half dozen jokes. I, I laughed like I was like the only one audibly laughing like five, five or six times. That's <laughs> so it's so sad to hear. I yeah. did have high hopes for that, and I don't know that I'll get to it now. You may have uh, may have strayed me away from that path. Well, you can watch it on Peacock maybe in, in 17 days. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, uh, Meg to the Trench performing extremely well internationally. Two fifty one point eight internationally for a three eighteen point three cum right now. Meg two people overseas love huge sharks. Mm, they love their uh, big other, bats. Otherwise, talk to me. Talk to me. A twenty four have has a hit on their hands. This is slowly but surely gotten up to like a 10x 11x multiplier on its uh budget michael 4.5 million dollar budget 46.1 million worldwide we know it's coming to blu-ray in october time for halloween talk to me is getting a sequel sequel? well i mean talk Talk to me yeah i i was hoping it would be i'll let you in Mm. that would be classier because that's the second phrase that you got to tell the dead hmm I uh, I'm still rooting against those teenagers. Screw them. <laughs> You'll see. Talk to me when it comes out <laughs> yeah, uh, on on video. But uh, Elemental has also been proclaimed a financial winner by Pixar and Disney. This they've said that this will be a profitable film for them. They didn't say it was a profitable film for them yet. On a 200 million dollar budget, Elemental's had this leggy run, especially overseas. 458.3 worldwide box office, 307 overseas internationally there. Elemental from Pixar just coming to PBOD now. You wonder how much it'll make there. Typically, children's films do well. Yeah. We saw the huge numbers by Mario. We, yeah. we listened to The Town, a fun episode last week where, I mean, they confirmed a lot of the box office theories you and I have had over the years. You know, we're not privy to all these numbers necessarily about second third windows about license fees i think the the biggest takeaway for me though michael was license fees now are negotiated you know to with uh with a new it's a new world of negotiations like you could go 80 20 split with the theaters on your opening weekend that was the biggest pull i had from bellany and that's happening a lot especially with movies where studios have the leverage where they want mission impossible dead reckoning and they know it's going to be a big opening weekend film. Maybe not Mission Impossible. Maybe they thought that was right. going to be leggier, obviously. But if they do think it's a movie that's going to do most of its business in the opening weekend, a, a studio may negotiate 80-20 split mm. or something like that. 
I guess that may, that makes sense, especially coming out of the pandemic and in theaters just being desperate for any kind of content. So yeah, it's a uh, studios taking advantage of a weakened partner there. But I bring it up now because Elemental hung tough in theaters for a long time, just like Barbenheimer is, and that's much more lucrative for the theaters. They get they get a closer to fifty fifty split the longer the movie stays in. If they're able to do big numbers on uh, on PVOD too, they're inching towards a three to one. A three X multiplier there, yeah, for their budget. Yeah. So, and otherwise, yeah, we got kind of confirmation about PVOD numbers being around the fifty million dollar, fifty to hundred million dollar gross range for for bigger movies, which makes some sense. Yeah, and that second that makes, life, I gotta get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, that uh, you know, it makes sense now to me that if uh, that's what Elemental does, it'll wind up with like, you know, in five years, five hundred fifty million dollars pulled in. Sure. Which is profitable. Sure. Especially for a $200 million movie. Yeah, I could see that happening. You know, or $600 million after 10 years or whatever. Still, it's a little, a little suspect. It was a bomb, and then it's, oh, it's a hit. But, yeah, it did it did last. Um, that is pretty much our episode here, Michael, unless you want to do a Make the Case quick. Let's talk about what you've been. Well, first of all, Gold has got terrible reviews, and I don't care. Um, it's a bummer. <laughs> but it's not going to... The Oscar now. No, it'll be Oscar. With it'll those reviews, <laughs> Vegas knows. Do all. some desperate things. Forty-four <laughs> percent for gold, a fifty-one Metascore. The fifty-one Metascore is yeah, shocking. Bottoms has great numbers though. Like, that's, yes. that's good to see. Um, you watch the Covenant. Guy Ritchie, Jake Gyllenhaal, really satisfying war picture. Throwback to like the nineties, Man on a Mission. $6 rental. I, I was saving it forever to watch it with my brother on a weekend. And I, I did watch it with him, and, and, we, and we liked it. B-plus all day. I don't know if we if we did the summer Oscars now, where it would get nominated, if it would get nominated. So I guess it, I was a little upset with myself that I forgot to watch it because it was recommended to me by some friends. I've heard good things about it. I don't know that I – I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I've I didn't been love, tempted. I didn't love one scene, but otherwise it was pretty – Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. The Speaking Covenant. of, how are we doing with our Seinfeld? I'm in the middle of season four. Okay. Just, just burned down the cabin. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. That's a the good bubble one. bubble boy episode, the cabin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The moops and the moors, yeah. The moops and the moors, yep. All right, you're getting there. I can start using my uh, everyday phrases soon. Oh, my God. Winning time is awesome, and then otherwise I'm, like, so beat to hell at the end of every night that I'm just watching cartoons and 30-hour comedies. Like Harley Quinn, My Adventures with Superman, and Solar Opposites. Mowing them down. (laughs) Good. And then Reservation Dogs. I actually got to take one at a time because some of them are heavy. Love Reservation Dogs on FX and Hulu. That's Taika Waititi, right? Yeah, a great show. It's like Atlanta. I've been been chipping Mm. away at Atlanta a little bit here and there, too. Really cool. Like, you got themed episodes. D- different characters have their own one-off episodes. Really, really good. Uh, it makes sense that Reservation Dogs, like, cleaned up at the Gotham Awards two years ago, right? And, yeah. Uh, at, yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, and it's very sad and heartbreaking that it's only getting three seasons. I've been trying to, like, condition myself to watch three-hour three movies. I told you this. <laughs> and it's just not been going well. Like, the only conclusion I've come to is that... <laughs> I'm okay watching three-hour movies in my home because I can break them up. Mm-hmm. Like, I watched The Last Emperor, and I watched JFK, 
and I'm working my way through Bugsy right now. Oh my god, I'm not a fan of either JFK or The Last Emperor. Just not. JFK had some bad dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> some bad. It makes an interesting conspiracy case. I'm kind of stunned that it was that, like there's no way a major studio would be behind it now. It picks up. It picks up. Yeah, it does. JFK. It does. It get, but, eventually, yeah. it gets you. I didn't like the first act set up. The Joe Pesci makeup and hair was awful. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Too. Tommy Lee Jones got Oscar nominated for that. That was ridiculous. He barely mm. speaks. Um, yeah, not great. But I kind of like JFK tipped me off to like, ah, oh, what, what else did this Oscar year have? And that's why I went into Bugsy because that was the. Uh, I never the seen JF- Bugsy. It's fine so far. I'm only yeah. You know, I got an hour left. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> just not good. I can't do these long movies in one sitting. I've been trying. Uh, I did like JFK slightly more than The Last Emperor, but The Last Emperor was really, it's, you know, the production design and the costumes were beautiful. Wow. It's interesting how much more dramatized exposition has become. Because, yeah, good. Yeah, it is good. It is it's really good, good that this has happened. <laughs> it is very, it's very much a good thing because they things were not explained thoroughly. No. Back then, and they JFK, they just sit at a diner and then just dump it, yeah. throw up, right? And mm-hmm. Or not a diner, a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, the, some of those scenes are awful. John Candy scene. Ugh. Why? <laughs> Why did Oliver Stone insist that the Blues Brothers? Everybody has a Blues Brothers accent, <laughs> except that. from Chicago, they're in New Orleans. <laughs> Oh, the accents were a problem. I remember that, too. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Eh. Mm-hmm. I won't watch that movie again. You watch Casino. I did watch Casino. Another... Oh, speaking of 2023 films, uh, I watched Casino. We talked about that recently, but I watched The Pope's Exorcist. Oh, I wanted to know about The Pope. I was going to watch that. Russell, Russell Crowe Crow is, like, really good in it. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> like, I don't know why he decided to hit the Wayback Machine and just prove to people he still has his fastball, but... He, he has no right. I don't know why he's in that movie, but he's. I've been saving that. I really good at it. I do want to watch that. Is that it's, how is the movie? Is it? It's watch, a fine it, horror movie. What I what grade did I give it? I mean, it's you know nothing. It's not going to shock you. It's nothing you haven't seen before. It's like a C plus. I gave it seventy eight. The horror movie I really want to watch that I keep almost clicking play on is Cobweb. I I have not seen that yet. I also am intrigued by it. Very intrigued. I love the cast. Yeah. I'm very for seven dollars. I may just do that any day now. Yeah, there you go. That's a that's a that's a catch up on what we've been watching. That's a catch up on all things happening in Hollywood. That's a catch up on the strike news. Catch up on some film festivals. That is your Oscar race checkpoint uh, for this week. Anyway, what matters most of us to us, as always, dear listener, uh, are your thoughts. We want to know anything you have to say about anything in this episode, as well as anything you have to say about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. As always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts and if you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, uh, longer episode today. Tell the good people what's coming next and let's have some words of wisdom. Well, we're going to do like a top ten episode. We haven't done one of those in a mm-hmm. oh, in a while, but it's going to be like a top ten hopes for the rest of the film year, top ten hopes for award season, maybe a follow up episode that we do in the fall, mm. and uh, I think that's going that's going to be fun. So, like, we can talk about these movies that we're in or we're out on, 
and we can talk about you know the strike or whatever. I mean, it's it's an open ended question. Top ten hopes. You're gonna pick five. I'm gonna pick five. Top ten hopes for the rest of the film year through December twenty or thirty first. There, right? So yeah. that that could be fun. Uh, we got uh, we got the film festival starting up. Venice, then Telluride, then TIFF. Kind of in some order there. So we'll be doing our reviewing the reviewers, which is always a a lot of fun. I'll be going to New York. Uh, we'll hopefully have a couple guests that we're talking to down the down the line. Uh, you're going on vacation, so I'm actually going to do a couple guest hosted episodes there in the middle after of flower, October after Flower Moon. Yeah, after Flower right. Moon. Right. We'll do a we'll do a Flower Moon. I'm sure we'll do Dumb Money Flower Moon. And uh, we'll otherwise we're, you know, just take September off. (laughs) No, we're going to have some fun, (laughs) but we don't have like maybe we're thinking about doing bottoms. We don't have a lot of film studies scheduled for the moment. So we're hoping that something becomes like a surprise hit, surprise Oscar contender. Dick's the musical. I mean, mean, I'm just I'm wanting one of these movies to really hit. Be great. So who knows? But uh, we, we had some options today in the trailer section and. And look, you got a lot of options at your local theater right now. National Cinema Day for the words of wisdom. Yeah. $4 tickets this Sunday. Yeah. I'll be there. I'm, I'm looking forward to pro- – I'll probably do Gran Turismo that day, but I, who knows? Maybe I'll do, even double feature it. Uh, I want to see Gran Turismo. I want to see Bottoms. I want to see Golda. Do I want to see Golda, though? 44%. Not in, Not in theaters. That's a home watch, I think. Hmm. I can't. I can't be seen in public with that movie right now. What will make me feel worse? Seeing Golda <laughs> for free on my A list, or four dollars, <laughs> or buying it for twenty dollars at home. If they really wanted to appeal to us, they would mark down the price of the concessions too. <laughs> yeah. Forget four dollar tickets. I want four dollar nachos. I well, I've been crushing popcorn because yeah. for whatever reason, I'm always going like Blue Beetle and Strays. I bought popcorn for each. Regular popcorn, or did you get the gourmet stuff? No, regular popcorn. Right. You like the gourmet? Yeah, the gourmet stuff's pretty good in Trumbull there. What's your What's your What's your favorite? I've had a uh, caramel. I had buffalo once, which was interesting. What? Uh, yeah. What does oh. buffalo popcorn taste like? It, it tastes like buffalo. Is it <laughs> spicy? No, I mean it's a little bit of a kick, but it's not bad. Um, I had Oreo. I've told you about that, where there was just like. Whole Oreo cookies in there. It was, <laughs> I had diabetes when I left. <laughs> Ever since I watched Flamin' Hot on Hulu, mm-hmm. I've been eating. I've been eating Flamin' Hot Cheetos. They're very good. Love them. You want a snack? Mix a bag of Flamin' Hot Cheetos with a bag of Chex Mix. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And that is your fat guy tip of the day. <laughs> <laughs> New segment on Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Fat guy tip of the day. We own it. Good. There you go. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come eat some flaming hot checks mix with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.